Hello, mamas. We are Allison, Kelsey, and Melissa, and we would like to welcome you to the Unstressed Mama podcast, the podcast that will teach you how to manage the daily stress that comes from being a mom. Nothing is off limits here. From peeing your pants to balancing your budget to working out, we'll talk about it. Hey there, mamas. Welcome to uh, another episode of the Unstressed Mama podcast. And in our fitness series today, we have Dr. Madeline Goldberg. Uh, Dr. Madeline is a doctor of physical therapy and a certified Pilates instructor from Rockville, Maryland. She grew up doing gymnastics from a young age and her coach incorporated Pilates into daily warm-up routines. She believes the solid foundation of Pilates kept herself and teammates safe from injuries. Madeline continued gymnastics all the way through the collegiate level at Syracuse University, where she graduated with a BS in health and exercise science. In 2013, Dr. Madeline became a certified Pilates instructor at Rock the Reformer in Potomac, Maryland. She continued her passion for movement sciences to complete her doctor of physical therapy from University of Maryland, Baltimore in 2018. Madeline began her career working for an outpatient orthopedic clinic in Denver, Colorado, where she lived for three years. During that time, she had the pleasure of treating a wide variety of diagnoses, including joint replacements, sports injuries, hypermobility syndromes, balance deficits, and low back pain. She now owns and operates at the Core Physical Therapy in Annapolis, Maryland, where she has her own private studio, which is very lovely, by the way. I've been there, and it is very calm and relaxing. Uh, Dr. Madeline always incorporates core activation and strengthening into her practice because she believes it is essential for functional mobility. Well, thank you, Dr. Madeline, for being here. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am excited. All right, so your bio pretty much kind of tells us how you've like led to uh, your current career. Would you like to maybe share some of the areas at this point in your career you're really focusing on? Yeah, so as my name and my business name um, kind of lead you to believe, um, at the core physical therapy definitely has a focus on core strength and core stability. Um, And it's just been kind of part of you know, the way that I grew up as a gymnast and having that focus on the core, um, it's almost unheard of to have a, you know, gymnastics team that had a few injuries, like that just doesn't happen. Um, And so it's very obvious and evident to me that that kind of core focused approach helped us out in the long run. And, you know, I've had so much success by helping people understand where their core is and how to be aware of it. Um, And so I started to think like, what kind of patients benefit the most from core focused exercises, which in reality, everyone benefits from core (laughs) strength. Um, But, you know, when I kind of broke it down, I thought about the low back pain patient, which 
a lot of people have low back pain. It is one of the most common, um, you know, injuries and reports of pain that you'll see in the physical therapy world. And, you know, everyone kind of sees it as this, you know, simple yet complicated thing to address. Um, and to me, it's actually pretty simple um, because as I started to treat patients with low back pain, um, the more I was helping them understand that deep core muscle, the one that kind of wraps around the body from front to back, um, it almost acts as like an internal back brace. And those patients started to feel way less pain in the Pilates-based approach that I was teaching them. So low back pain is kind of my bread and butter. I feel very confident in my ability to address low back pain. Um, and so since lots of people have it, I <laughs> wanted to put somewhat of a focus on that. Uh, the second kind of pillar I'm calling it is patients that deal with hypermobility, which means that the joints and ligaments move beyond their normal range of motion. Um, and I'm finding that it's a lot more common than I knew. Um, I'm hypermobile as a gymnast, that kind of makes sense. Um, but being hypermobile also comes with a lot of uh, pain, a lot of chronic pain, a lot of other just issues that you wouldn't necessarily connect. So how do you deal with someone who has a problem with joint stability is like you're training, um, you're training the core and you're training the joints connected to the core on how to move more efficiently. Um, I, have a, I have a quick question on the hypermobility. Yeah. yeah. How does one know if they're hypermobile in a joint? Yeah, so you'll kind of hear the person being like, I'm double jointed. Um, my fingers look like they're bending backwards. My knees look like they're bending backwards. Um, maybe lots of clicking and popping. Um, just someone who's always considered themselves relatively flexible. Um, so, you know, you can put your palms flat on the ground with straight legs folding forward. There's a lot of different um, tests. One scale that we use in physical therapy is called the Byton score. So that runs you through a series of like nine uh, point systems and you can kind of grade yourself on this hypermobility scale. Um, you know, you'll see people straighten their elbows and it'll like, you know, go in the other way. Um, so a, a little follow-up to that. If you're hypermobile in like one joint, are you likely to be hypermobile in others? Not necessarily. So especially with the elbows, lots of people have hyperextended elbows, but they wouldn't necessarily be hyperextended or hypermobile in other areas. So um, yes and no with that one, but you have to have like a certain score to like consider yourself 
uh, on the hypermobility like spectrum. Um, and so it's a very complex kind of diagnosis I'm finding, um, but I feel a very personal connection to that population. There's not a lot of doctors or healthcare professionals that know about this and how to treat it. So it's almost like an obligation that I know I can, I can not only help by strengthening, but help by educating um, this population on how to manage their symptoms, because a lot of it is management. Um, there's not a clear treatment of this. Um, so it's been an interesting ride with that pillar, definitely not as straightforward as to me as low back pain. Um, and then the third pillar, which we'll kind of focus on more is um, postpartum, because this idea kind of arose as I was asking a friend who recently had a baby, I said, you know, what did they tell you to do um, after you left the hospital? Were there any instructions? And she said, you know, not really. They just said, don't lift anything heavy and don't do sit-ups. And that was it. She had a C-section. And so I was just kind of mind blown that that was, you know, how they send you off into the world. And then you're just supposed to on your own figure out how to, you know, not only reconnect those muscles and very important muscles, but also know how to return to the type of exercise or movement that you loved doing before. Um, and again, it's just like, seemed like the perfect fit um, to combine Pilates and postpartum. Um, and I hadn't really heard too much about that. Um, I mean, even from you guys, I would love to know, I don't have any kids yet, but like, did they give you any instruction after you left the hospital in terms of how to get back to your normal life. <laughs> so um, I had a cesarean with mine and on top of it, they cut my bladder. So I was sent oh. home with a catheter that I had for 10 days. Lovely. And yeah, it was awesome. Um, and I had no instructions. I could barely even walk when I went home still. Um, I had been in the hospital for four days after I gave birth and I had walked some in my room, but because of the catheter, I didn't have to get out of bed. Right. Um, and I had no instructions. It was very, it was terrifying because I'm, you know, I had to take care of this awful thing that was attached to me and I was in a lot of pain. And when I was in the hospital, I didn't even lift up my baby on my own, like somebody would hand him to me in the bed. Mm. And then I was expected beyond exercise just to go home and be able to take care of myself and this baby and keep up with this giant list of pain medication. And it was overwhelming. Um, so then 
at the time I had an extremely energetic, large dog and he had to be walked every day. There was no way I could walk it when I came home. I mean, I could barely walk myself, like I said. So I had help with that, but I was, I had no idea, like, how long do I need to wait before I can walk him? I don't know. It's probably, he should not be pulling on me at all because I've got this, you know, wound in my abdomen that's healing. And, um, I just had to play it by, you know, like, does this feel good? No. Okay. I probably shouldn't be doing this. And then, okay, well, this feels okay now. So I'm going to start doing this. But I remember, um, when I was finally ready to try to get back to exercising, I tried to do a plank and I just fell down. Like I had, you know, both feet out and one elbow. And when I did the other elbow and tried to do it, I couldn't even hold it for one second. I just, boom. So I had no muscle whatsoever. Luckily I ended up joining an online fitness club with a coach and without me even realizing it repaired all of that, um, through things like, um, you know, burpees and thrusters and all those really fun exercises that everybody loves to do. But I didn't even know, you know, she just had that programmed in. So I was lucky, mm-hmm. but had I not have that, I have no idea what kind of position I would be in today because I received zero guidance other than, you know, oh, looks like your scars healing good. Now we can take this catheter out. That was that there was no talk of exercise. I don't even think I th- I think I specifically asked when can I start walking my dog again? And I don't recall receiving any kind of answer to that other than, oh, you better have someone there to help you at first. Well, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. That's such a tragic story that you're not alone in. Like many people have had very similar stories. <clears throat> My and just birth- to be clear, like this was only nine years ago. It wasn't like it was 25 years yeah. ago. <laughs> right. um, one of the things that for me, my births were vaginal births to no C-section. Um, and I had an interest in pelvic floor. And I don't even remember how I had found like that it was a thing before I even like gave birth. I, I don't know. Um, and so I'd actually done a lot of prehabbing for pelvic floor and core stability while I was pregnant with my daughter, my first child. Um, and the stuff in that program was like recommended. And again, this is, I'm not a doctor. The person who recommended it is not a doctor, but recommended to do. And it was took maybe 10 minutes, um, two to three weeks after having your baby, obviously pending no complications. Like Allison would not have been able to do, you know, um, so, well, like body weight squats necessarily two weeks after having her C-section with her bladder cut, right? Um, but like pending no, like it, as you feel able, see what you you know can do comfortably. And it wasn't supposed to be painful in any way. And so with my first, it was like, I, felt great. Everything seemed to kind of like get back to its normal strength right away. Um, with my second, they're only 21 months apart. So I got pregnant with him one year after she was born. And, you know, that's not really a lot of time for your body to really fully heal before like stretching it back out again. And so when I was pregnant with him, 
I had a lot more lower back pain. I had like the pubic symphysis dysfunction, I think it's called, or syndrome. Um, a lot more pain. I couldn't move as much with him. I could barely do what I like called my prehab movements. Um, and then whenever I, my delivery was really just as fine as the other one, like nothing complicated. But now I came home from the hospital and I had a, a 21 month old baby and a newborn. And so whenever you said about, oh, you're told not to lift anything, you know, for me, it was like, oh, everything's fine. Come back in six weeks. I didn't see a doctor for six weeks unless I had an issue and I had to call about it, you know? And it's like, um, I had this baby to take care of both an infant baby and, a, you know, not quite two-year-old baby. And like, there was always picking up things, right? Like I'm holding two kids and it, it definitely was a much harder recovery with that other child around. Um, less time to do focused core movements. I did. I didn't get to get out and walk like I did with her because he was a February baby in Maryland. Um, mm -hmm. It was cold and I had two and all of that. Um, but I definitely, as you were going through your pillars, um, I had a lot of hypermobility while I was pregnant with both of mine and not in like a painful sense. I just really had to watch as I you know, got further along in my pregnancy. Um, and then obviously it was postpartum and then the low back pain with my second pregnancy. So there's all really, I felt them all at the same time in my second pregnancy. Um, like yeah. wish you didn't hear that and I knew about you, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> and so, you're right. All those pillars are a hundred percent like related in some way. Um, as you know, a woman prepares to give birth, there are hormones that are released to prepare the pelvis to relax and open. And so those hormones also cause our ligaments to be more unstable, more mobile for the actual purpose of giving birth. So it is extremely common to have that, you know, pelvic dysfunction during pregnancy, after pregnancy, everyone, you know, has SI joint problems and pubic symphysis problems. Like it's somewhat part of the, the drill. Um, however, as you mentioned, like that prehab aspect, which I think, you know, not everyone knows about preventative care. Not everyone knows about pelvic floor therapists. Um, and so I am hoping that that becomes more of a common, you know, practice. I believe in Europe somewhere, it's just everyone that has a baby goes to a pelvic floor therapist afterwards. And that's just like what you do. After I had my son, so I did know about pelvic floor PT. Yeah. And so I think my appointment was with a PA and I asked to get the referral to the pelvic floor PT. And she was like, oh, absolutely. I think everyone should go. I'm like, right. There's other countries that this is just normal. So it's ridiculous kind of that I have to actually ask, ask for referral, referral process to like be able to go, um, but like, she was happy to give me the referral, but it's like still a process. And like the way my insurance is, we've talked about my insurance in previous podcasts. 
it's such a pain in the butt um, to like get a referral to anyone who's like not in the military system. And I was like, oh my God, it was, it was stressful. So now I have, you know, a six week old baby, a 22 month old, and I'm trying to get care. Cause I knew after having him, like, it didn't feel like it did after my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I just had like, like heaviness feeling. And I was like, I just, and, and I was doing a lot of training, uh, like strength training and heavy training. So I just wanted to make sure before I started bringing back in my training that I was like, knew where my pelvic floor stood. And so thankfully I was able to go, but not, like you said, people don't even know that that exists to ask for it. So, and it's there, you can get the referral. They don't usually say no. I think they can't really say no to a PT referral for the most part. Um, But why isn't that just something, even if it's not automatic, you have to, but like part, that's part of your, six week checkup, which I actually think should be like at four weeks, not six, but, um, to say, Oh, how are you here? Let's, let's check you out. And this is an option for you. Are you having any of these feelings? Like they ask about like postpartum depression and anxiety. And I think those things are super important as well, but they don't, I don't remember them asking me questions regarding like my pelvic floor, because I feel like it's not going to feel exactly normal at six weeks after, because it's not the same as it was before, but I don't know. I just feel like it could be better. Yeah. I do not really know why it's so, you know, unheard of to just do things not only sooner, but just like have it be common. Um, and one of the things that I've done in trying to grow that pillar and grow my business is to directly connect with pelvic floor physical therapists. I don't do any internal work, but it, it's like a great kind of next step. Once you see a pelvic floor PT and maybe they assess your internal pelvic floor muscles and see kind of what deficits or limitations there are. Um, and then almost like in conjunction or afterwards, having someone who's both knowledgeable in physical therapy and Pilates um, to then come in and just make sure that those deep core muscles are firing appropriately. Um, A lot of people feel like they are using their core, um, but they're not. Um, So breaking it down and being very, very specific and intentional about what you're feeling, where you're feeling it, when it's happening is, is important. Um, I always say that people can do Pilates and it may look textbook, um, but then I'll ask them, hey, where are you feeling this work? Like what muscles are working? And they'll tell me their legs, their hip flexors. I've gotten the weirdest answers, but it is not exactly the target muscle. Um, and so making sure and working one-on-one with me to 
have it be clear and for the patient to feel confident, like, hey, I'm able to access something that I haven't before. And people tell me all the time, they're like, oh, is that what I am trying to feel? Like, is that my core? And it's a whole like light bulb moment for them because a lot of times when we think of core, we do think of those six pack muscles. And that's the rectus abdominis. That is a muscle that flexes the spine, which when it comes down to it is important. However, it's not the muscle that we're actually trying to stabilize the spine with, to stabilize the pelvis with. Um, and when we think about the core, it is actually, you know, the rectus abdominis, it's the transverse abdominis, it's the obliques, it's the diaphragm, it's the pelvic floor. So all of those are working together in this like pressure system. And when it comes to things like leakage and prolapse, everything kind of relates back to this pressure system. And so I think about the core almost like a soda can. And there's someone who has like made a nice diagram um, of the soda can model. And so essentially the top of the soda can being your diaphragm, the bottom being your pelvic floor and the rest of the can being all of, you know, the muscles in the front of the body, the trunk, the back of the trunk, your back muscles and the sides, your obliques and all that. So if one part of the soda can is popped, so if you pop the top, then you lose that pressure. And if you were to step on the soda can, it would crush, right? So being able to address all of the muscles of the soda can in a very kind of um, broad sense is what we're really trying to go for when it comes to stabilizing and strengthening the core. And not a lot of people see it in that way. Um, and another kind of, I'll say my model, <laughs> got the soda can model, and then I call it just like my stick figure model. And when I think about the body, sometimes I think about it in a extremely oversimplified way being, we've, we're a little rectangle in the middle, and then we're a little circle at our head, and then we've got our lines, our arms, and our lines as legs. And so us being a little stick figure, like if that center rectangle is not a solid structure, if it loses and kind of caves or like bends in some way, it's no wonder that the circle at the top, the lines for arms and legs might have some dysfunction. And so that's why I think about the shoulder in terms of the core. And I think about the knee in terms of the core. And I think about the neck in terms of the core because everything that we've got going on is connected to our trunk. Um, so that trunk stability 
that idea of our pelvis and our rib cage having a relationship um, with our core and our spine in the center, um, that's going to kind of define the system. So I honestly can, I end up treating any sort of diagnosis by how the trunk operates. And I can very clearly see, you know, if someone has a dysfunction in the center of their body, well, it's no wonder you're not able to reach over your head or it's no wonder you're not able to walk with a certain pattern. And although Pilates is very kind of, you know, based on laying on your back or your side or sitting or on your hands and knees, I always try to bring things to a functional sense, meaning we're standing beings, we walk, we're upright, and so how can we also strengthen the core in an upright position? Because it's one thing to do exercises laying on your back, um, which is kind of what we think of when we think of core exercises. Um, but it's a whole nother thing to be able to use the core efficiently in a standing position, which can be more challenging to train and to teach. Um, so even though I have, you know, these awesome Pilates reformers and equipment, um, I'm always thinking about eventually progressing the patient to a standing position when I feel they are ready and that they have a good sense of what they need to engage. So I think that it. makes perfect sense. And I'd like to kind of like segue off of that, of like Allison said, she tried to do a plank after a C-section and it was like nothing. So what are some suggestions or recommendations you have and we can maybe just like think about moms as postpartum um, returning to movement after we'll just say baby in general, obviously there'll be some differences for C-section or not. <clears throat> yeah. So if you think about, you know, plank being all the way at like hundred percent, planks aren't easy. And then, you know, immobile being zero, we, there are plenty of steps to take in between instead of going from zero to a hundred. And so with the plank example, there's a lot of different ways that we can engage the same muscles. So a plank is great because we engage the core without moving the spine. And that is why we're trying to reach those deeper abdominals with a plank um, rather than the muscles that flex the spine. So for example, one very simple step you can take between is a wall plank. So instead of being completely kind of parallel to the floor, you're changing your angle so that there's a lot less pressure in the system. So hands on the wall and feet back. 
And then once that feels really good and you can breathe through that confidently that you're not arching your back and you're not kind of, you still have that strong connection between your rib cage and your pelvis, then you can slowly lower that angle, maybe hands on a, you know, high table or a couch. And then you're slowly just kind of getting more and more strength to be able to do that full on plank with hands on the ground. Um, the other thing that we want to think about in terms of returning to exercise specifically for postpartum is the pressures associated with impact. So you're not going to go from like giving birth to like running a marathon. You are trying to train your system on how to appropriately absorb impact and not having that feeling of heaviness or pressure in your pelvic floor. And so there's a lot of different exercise that are kind of like pre-impact training. And so ways that you're loading your pelvic floor, but you're not actually jumping, you're not actually running. Um, and so that's what I like to take patients through if, you know, they are planning to return to running, to impact, to jumping. Um, and it all is a gradual progression because in my opinion, a lot of, um, some physical therapists will progress their patient too quick. And that's when you'll see your patient back in your room, in your clinic in another few months, which ultimately I want to give you the tools to be independent, to manage your symptoms and like love having you in here. But ultimately, like, I don't, I want you feeling good um, and no pain. So a gradual progression with a lot of the core and pelvic floor exercises is really key. And taking the steps in between that you're not just doing the exercise and it looks right, but you're doing it in a way that you're like, oh my gosh, I feel my core working so hard. I feel this wrapping sensation all the way around, like someone's giving me a little hug and you can feel that no matter if you're on like the foundational exercises or if you're on the more advanced exercises. Um, I've been doing Pilates for over 10 years and I still teach and do those foundational exercises. They're still effective and they're still challenging. Um, and so it's having that awareness and that sense and you know kind of like you said Allison where it's like I was gauging that this felt right and this didn't feel right in my body and so you're using your own kind of like self-monitoring system to be like you know I felt like that plank wasn't really what it should have been or you're like 
oh my gosh, I'm doing this like tiny movement with my core and maybe I'm not even like moving anything, but I feel, and like, I know that I'm getting the right target muscle. Um, so again, it's kind of that gradual progression and it's working with someone that can truly be aware of if you're doing things efficiently or if you're not, because certainly I've seen a lot of people perform exercises that might look great, but there's little cues that I notice that like, mm, you know, I can see your back arching a little bit. I can see your rib cage flaring out a little bit. And that tells me that we might not be really connecting as deep and as well as we could be. Um, I want to back up just a smidge. I was yeah. wondering when you were talking about doing pre-impact exercises to get ready for heavier impact, could you give some examples of some of those that you have your patients do or your students? Yeah, yeah. So anything that's almost like a quick downward motion, but your feet aren't actually leaving the ground. So, you know, even things like raising up onto your toes and then as if you're like slamming like a medicine ball down, um, and it's almost like the opposite of like a jump instead of going up, you're like quickly going down. And so that is a way, and you know, you're doing it in a way that as you forcefully go down, you're exhaling and tightening so that you're kind of lifting your pelvic floor as your body weight goes down. Um, that's pretty much the easiest example, but once you feel like you're able to go down and absorb the impact well, then you could go up and down with a little bit more ease and support. Um, other ones are just kind of like, um, like I would have people, again, kind of that wall plank. And then you could do more of like a knee up and then a fast down so that you're doing more of like a one side and then the other. And that's a little bit more functional when it comes to like running patterns because you're moving one leg up and quickly down. That looks um, like a modified uh, mountain climber too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like a mountain climber with the opposite focus. So like, instead of being like, draw your knee up and switch up, it's kind of like knee up, but the focus is actually down. Um, and so you're doing it in the way that like, and again, your breath is very important too. So like a lot of people inhale to engage their core 
Um, and when we think about that soda can, it's actually our diaphragm, our breathing muscle. If we exhale and kind of draw everything in, that's kind of where we should feel the most engagement coming together. And so breathing is a big part of Pilates and physical therapy and the pressure system. So that is going to be kind of cued continuously and people struggle with that. Like you wouldn't think that's like, okay, breathing, like, why is that the hardest part of my session with Madeline today? Um, but people often breathe in the opposite way. And they also try to inhale to engage their core because they're associating it with like a sucking in. And that's not really what we're looking for. So that part can be complicated, but when it comes to absorbing impact, we want to breathe and help kind of engage as that pressure system kind of moves up and down together. It's hard to do with my hands, but essentially like your diaphragm is like convex and the other's concave and they're doing this together. <laughs> um so, it's me yeah yeah um but yeah really good question because it, it's not really an exercise that you would necessarily think of um to return to impact um one of the movements i thought of as you were describing that um, and we use the plank as an example. So it definitely took my mind there as a kettlebell swing. Yeah. Um, because yeah. the top of, well, I should rephrase that, a hard style kettlebell swing. The top of a hard style kettlebell swing is with your arms parallel to the deck. And at that point, you're in effectively a standing plank and you have done an exhale. You have contracted all of your muscles together with the ribs over the hips. And so I personally use the kettlebell swing as my um, build back into running after having mm -hmm. the babies. Our listeners know I love kettlebell swings. Yeah, um, and that's kettlebell. a oh, great um, example too of sometimes I'll say the arms are just acting as an extension of the trunk. And when you bring weight into the hands, it's almost just loading the core and seeing how the rib cage responds and so i that's a great example as well because um you know that is that can be core when i take a jug of milk out of the fridge i'm using my core because my arm is just acting as part of my trunk once you've had a cesarean, you really, really get to learn about everything that you do that uses your core. Yeah. Because it hurts like a beast and everything, just about everything that you do all day long uses your core and you don't really think about it as much until you have that experience. At least I didn't. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I, all of this, like talking about your obliques and all these things, and Melissa mentioned prehab, I, um, I wasn't as big into lifting weights and things like that before I had my son, but what I did do every, almost every day 
of my pregnancy was to play ping pong several times. And um, it was my first entrepreneur idea. I was going to write a program called Ping Pong Your Way to a Pain-Free Pregnancy. It was like a joke, but but I actually thought it was going to work. Um, and it didn't. I did have a good amount of pain, but I think that it probably still helped me because I was twisting and running back and forth and moving all the time. And then I walked my dog every day too. But I think um, as silly as it seems, like I would get sweaty playing ping pong. I played at work on my breaks and my lunch. And I only played, there were, it was only other guys that played and none of them took it easy on me. So it wasn't like I was just standing there batting a ball back and forth nicely. It was like, move, move, move constantly. And I think it probably did help me because it definitely got my obliques and, um, you know, twisting and movement and all the things just by mistake. I had no idea that I should be doing anything like that leading up to, I knew walking was good. Um, but just by mistake, I kind of prehabbed also. I love that. I think you should, uh, bring that back. Bring that idea. <laughs> you had something going. Yeah. I could, I can actually remember being in labor, laying there thinking, well, there goes that idea because this hurts <laughs> a lot. Oh, so, so glad I won't be doing that again in life. <laughs> <laughs> right. Same. Oh, all right. Well, this has been wonderful to get such great information and, um, I love your three pillars uh, with that you focus on with the low back pain, the hypermobility and postpartum as I, like I mentioned, I had those all during my second pregnancy. Um, I was recently told uh, by a PT that I have hypermobile ankles um, and then eventually got my arthritis diagnosis in my ankle. Um, I don't know if the arthritis is related or it was, it had an injury at one point and then I rolled it again and sprained it, but definitely have other joints where I feel like I'm probably also hypermobile. She just only tested my ankles. Um, but they were both hypermobile, even with the arthritis is the one, which is why I asked that question about yeah. other joints. Cause I'm like, maybe I'm hypermobile in other joints. Um, we can take a look when oh, you yeah. come on in. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you in a couple of days. Yeah. Um, which we didn't even talk about that aspect of what you do that we'll save that for uh, I'm actually going to see Dr. Madeline for a, a cupping therapy session um, for muscle release, I guess is the short term of that. So we'll save the cupping therapy for <laughs> other another series that we do. Um, oh yeah, alternative it, medicine we should do. Cool, that's a good one. And what comes out of it is cloud calves. Um, <laughs> Hashtag. If you get your calves cupped and you're a runner, you will feel like you have clouds behind your calves instead of dense, stiff muscles. Um, I have had my back, I've had cupping done on my back and I, it felt really good, whatever it was in conjunction with the massage. And, but later that day or the next day, for some reason, my son saw my back and he was like, ma what happened to you? And I was like, I don't know what, 
and then I looked in the mirror because I had completely forgotten about it, but it looked like I had been uh, beaten with an oddly shaped device. <laughs> yep. Even though it didn't hurt. Yeah. Um, I have one last question about um, Pilates related to postpartum. Mm -hmm. um, what about coming to somebody like you and using Pilates combined with physical therapy would be superior to any other kind of postpartum rehab that somebody would do? What's the best, uh, most unique benefit to it? Would you yeah, say? that's a great question. I would say that when it comes to postpartum, as you said, you don't realize how much your core is involved with every little motion that you do. So Pilates is a way to use certain exercises that focus on those deep muscles um, and kind of addressing the trunk as a whole. Um, again, that whole soda can, that whole kind of rectangle shape. And so even better that you're being taken care of by a doctor of physical therapy and someone that's going to know all of the other little intricacies that come with postpartum, um, Pilates instructors get a great comprehensive training on Pilates. And again, that is amazing, um, but they don't always have uh, the same education and knowledge um, as a physical therapist would have. So in my opinion, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. You're getting that core focused approach um, and you'll know that you're in a safe environment um, with a gradual progression and under the eyes of someone who will, you know, if something else pops up and something else hurts and, you know, you're dealing with not just uh, weakness in the core, but you're dealing with SI joint pain and you're dealing with incontinence. And so, it's a little bit more of um, approaching the body as a whole and um, getting care that is coming from different avenues. Okay, I, that's a great answer. And kind of as a follow-up to that, probably not everybody has a combined Pilates instructor and physical therapist in their area is this something that can be done virtually? Yes. So I kind of launched a postpartum Pilates program at the start of the year, and I decided to make it completely virtual um, with the option of obviously coming in if you want to. But with all the new moms that I have had in the program so far, they really appreciate the ability to be virtual. As you said, there's so much going on. You could be caring for not just a baby, but another child. Um, and you might 
not be able to like have care for the other one or someone to watch them and some it's just kind of complicated sometimes to like leave your house um and so that postpartum pilates program is completely virtual um most of the moms were scheduling during a nap time um and whether that works out or not um we try our best to squeeze in a time that they can step away for a moment. Um, but it's always really flexible. Like if your baby is crying, yes, please like step away from the screen and it's no problem. Um, but that has been awesome so far. And I am taking new moms currently for the program. Um, so if you're interested, you can definitely uh, reach out to me via email, um, which is at the core PT at gmail.com um, or my website, which is just at the core PT.com. And I have more information about that program um, on there. And it's again, a very flexible kind of schedule that we can work around your uh, needs. And I've had really awesome feedback from it. Um, I've had moms that, you know, were struggling to, again, just put their baby back into the crib or to pick up their baby, mid back pain, hip pain, all of the things that go along with trying to recover. Um, and again, people are like having those light bulb moments. They are like being mind blown about how some of these smaller, more intricate exercises are truly impacting them in a way that they didn't expect. So it's kind of a sneaky type of uh, training in that it doesn't look like you're doing that much, but um, it can be even more effective than some of just the bigger exercises or the more well-known exercises. So um, yeah, everyone's been loving it. And again, I, I do have a also Mother's Day little promo going on. So it's 15% off of that program right now up until Mother's Day. So that's a good time to take advantage of that little deal. Um, so I'll make sure to put uh, the link, a link in the show notes for both your email and the website. And the name of the program is Postpartum Pilates? Yep. Okay. All right, just had to make sure I had that written correctly. Um, like I said, this has been super fun and informational. And um, we always ask our guests three kind of silly random questions. Um, did you want to start, Allison, or do you want me to go? Um, I can start. Okay. So when you get up in the morning, what is the first thing that you normally do? Um. I would say I pee. 
I wake up and I go to the bathroom and I pee. <laughs> that's my second, that's the second thing I do. <laughs> uh, I, I grab my phone on the way to the bathroom and start checking everything. So good for you. You get to go to the bathroom in peace. I'm jealous. All right. Um, what <laughs> is your favorite beverage? And it can be any category of beverage. So interestingly, I do not drink coffee and I rarely drink soda. Um, I'm bad at drinking water. So I would say some sort of like, that's actually tough. Cause I, I feel like I just am bad at, um, drinking anything. <laughs> um, but I do love like a nice refreshing, like, um, you know, some sort of like summery cocktail, like a mojito. I don't really drink alcohol that much, but I enjoy the flavor of that a little bit more. Um, so yeah. Okay. Okay. And the last one is what is your go-to activity to de-stress? I haven't done it in a while, but I used to love doing Zumba classes. Um, and as much as I feel like other people feel like self-conscious about doing Zumba in like a group class, I feel like I totally don't care what I look like. And I forget about everyone else and just kind of like moving my body in a very carefree way totally de-stresses me. So if anyone has good Zumba classes in Annapolis, um, I am looking for that. <laughs> have you been to a Zumba class, Allison? I have. Um, I have two times, and this was prior to me discovering Zaya leggings, like many, many years prior to that. So therefore my Zumba experience was very stressful because my pants kept rolling down in the front <laughs> the whole time. And I was like, oh, just stop. And like, I just had all these crappy pants that would not stay put. So I might've had more fun had I not been trying to hold my pants up with one hand the whole time. <laughs> that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> very uh, I did used to be a big fan of jazzercise many, many years ago, which is maybe a toned down version of Zumba, I would say. Mm -hmm. Still very dancey, though. Yeah. And it is fun. Like, I would completely agree. Had my pants stayed put, I probably would have become a big <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I got to get back into some sort of dance fitness because it just doesn't feel like a chore. Like it just feels like I'm having fun. It doesn't feel like I'm 
you know, I've told Melissa that I'm not really a runner. So I feel like kind of that dance style is like the next best thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am also not a runner. Um, I well, used you're running to, a race this year. Yes, I am. I mean, I am a runner, but I do not love running. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, I loved step aerobics classes. Those were my favorite for sure. Yeah. Which at times seemed also very dance-like. Yeah. With all the different sure. steps to be like, do what now? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. And um the listeners can't see this, but I have a Richard Simmons bobblehead inspiration at my desk from back in the day when I used to do Richard Simmons VHS workouts at home. Love that. <laughs> All right. So your email and your website, definitely we'll put those in the show notes. I will also put a link to your Instagram. I'd love to give you a plug there. Mm-hmm. And Madeline makes some amazing reels. So if you love watching reels. Um, check out her Instagram, which uh, I, I just put it up so I could say it. It's uh, Dr. Dr. Underscore Mad Underscore PT Pilates, um, and she's. I see her re- reels all the time, and I'm like, man, her reels are amazing. Um, so uh, I got a new one coming out tonight that is gonna show some of my dance moves. So, oh, well, nice. I'm pretty sure I already follow you. I'll have to watch for it. Yeah, yeah. Get ready for that one. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. And yeah, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you guys. Yes, you too. The Unstressed Mama podcast is brought to you by Allison Rodden, Kelsey Decker, and Melissa Sroby. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash unstressed mama and on Instagram at Unstressed Mama. If you like what you heard, be sure to tell your friends so other mamas can join in the fun. You can find our individual contact information in the show notes for this episode. If you have questions about this topic or suggestions for future topics, the best place to reach us is through our Facebook group, Instagram page, or email at unstressedmama at gmail.com. Thank you.